This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. We'll reset. Join us during the week. Fox Business, 4 to 5 p.m. every day, Monday through Friday. The name of the show is Kudlow. If you can't make it at 4, just text your favorite nine-year-old and she'll show you how to DVR the show. By the way, the show runs again from 7 to 8 p.m. And right here, you can live stream us on the Internet, LarryKudlowShow.com, LarryKudlowShow.com. Dot com and let us turn to the stock market, which had um, kind of <clears throat> a non-event week in terms of the indexes, the key indexes, although all prices continue to march higher, and as a result, some of the inflation news was worse than expected. Let's talk to our two favorite experts, Nancy Tengler. CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Laffer Tangler Investments, and a new book, The Women's Guide to Successful Investing, out at the end of this month, September 29th, The Women's Guide to Successful Investing. I think it's a, it's a mystery story. No, it's a thriller. It could be a spy story. And David Bonson, the Bonson Group, uh, CIO, Founder and Managing Director and Author of Dividend Cafe, Dot com. Okay, kids, welcome. Um, in honor of Nancy's, is it a spy novel, or how would you describe this book, Nancy Tankler? <laughs> so it's my passion, Larry. It's a second edition. I wrote the first edition in 2014, and this is a whole new book. Uh, it's for women who tend to excuse themselves from the investing conversation, but, and I mean this with no offense to David, research shows women make great or better investors than men, and so I really am, am passionate about really getting, it, it's not David, of course, but I mean, just in general, I'm passionate about getting women to engage because the average age of a widow in the U.S. is 59 and the first divorce is 30. So they need to know what to do with their money. David Bonson, that was a not so polite way of saying women are smarter <laughs> than men. Do you buy that, Mr. Bonson? <laughs> no. Well, I think that I think that most married people know that women are smarter than men in so many ways. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Nancy would agree. The funny thing about investing is uh, the big mistakes that people make are, are not at all by uh, gender. They're, they're, women and men are prone to the same mistakes, and they both deserve to hear the best habits. Wow. I'll take that. I'll take yeah. that. I was going to just ask you about that. It's like one repost <laughs> after another. What are the big? What are the biggest mistakes? That's a good thing for our uh, listeners to hear, Nancy Tangler. What are the biggest mistakes? I, I think historically, um, the research and there's a lot of research on it, but it shows that um, women tend to do a lot of research. Uh, they're willing to change their minds. We all know that about the, the old "Will you ask for directions?" <laughs> in in the car question. But more importantly, um, men t tend to be more competitive. 
And so they they are more focused on beating benchmarks. By the way, so am I. But in general, the, the lay investor, uh, women just kind of make their decisions, they do their research, and then they stick with them until they find reasons not to. But they're not, you know, trading a lot. And that's really the difference. It's not that they have better ideas necessarily, but they tend to, to generate outperformance that way. But you're an active manager. I am, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and David and I both know um, what that means. It's a lot of work. But David, you're a less active in, uh, manager, are you not? Because you're a dividend player. Yeah, but it's very actively managed, Larry. So we, we don't believe dividend growth can be indexed. It can't be done passive. Mm-hmm. Companies uh, make mistakes, start changing strategy, start doing vanity M&A, uh, they, and that you have to be in front of that. They start taking on excessive leverage. Those are the things that jeopardize dividends. In a perfect world, every company is a lemonade stand seeking to sell more lemonade and give mm-hmm. more dividends and profits to their owners. And it's an imperfect world where people mess that up. But dividend growth uh, requires us to actively manage these lemonade stands. Nancy, are you? I don't recall so much uh, you as a, being a dividend player. Yeah, well, we I, I am. We have um, been using relative dividend yield uh, with my former colleague Tony Sparrow and I since the mid nineteen eighties. So we're looking at not the highest yielding companies, but the, the to David's point, the ones that are growing their dividends robustly. And the reason for that is because it reflects a portion of what management thinks is long-term sustainable earnings power, and it contributes to total return, and it serves as a hedge against inflation. So our new ETF, TGLR, actually is focused on dividend growers, uh, and that's our track record. And then we have a growth strategy uh, as well. But this is this is how I've been managing money for the last 40 years. Mm. So David and Tony, I share a lot of um, commonalities in that regard. Tony Spare. I forgot about Tony Spare. Boy, that's a great yeah. name out of the past. God bless him. God mm. bless him. David, um, what dividend yields can you get from these indexes, or what dividend yields are you seeking right now? And where are they showing up? Well, look, the S&P has been yielding well below 2% ever since the financial crisis. Uh, Last year, when the S&P dropped 20%, I think the dividend yield got all the way back up to 1.5%. So Mm. those years in which the S&P was actually yielding more than a bond yield are long gone, and that's been a problem. And it will become a bigger problem for index investors when the bond yields are doubling or, or more. Uh, the the S and P. It's a great over history. It's a great relative valuation metric, but our dividend portfolio yields over four percent net of fees, mm-hmm. very much like Nancy. Uh, Nancy and I do, by the way, think alike on an awful lot of issues. And this is one of them. We're not looking at the biggest yielders. There's high yield companies that are called future dividend cutters, and uh, they they are accidental high yielders, right? If a stock's at 100 bucks and it's paying you $5, it has a $5 yield. If the stock goes down to 50 it has a 10% yield. Mm. No one likes that. They've lost 50% of their money, but they can say they have a higher yield. We're looking for companies that the yield is going higher because they're growing the dividend. So we're about triple the S&P's yield, and uh, we have absolutely no doubt that the strategy is more durable over time. What are the best sectors uh, for the dividend yields, Nancy? Well, interesting. 
interestingly, there are old economy technology companies that are payers. But I mean, what you've seen in recent years is uh, energy companies have gotten discipline and they've not only increased their dividends. So spending CapEx discipline, not only have they increased their dividends, but they've been paying out a, a significant amount of special dividends, obviously REITs. Um, but we are also finding um, really interesting names in industrials and in consumer discretionary we, we are market weight. I, I think David's overweight consumer staples. We're market weight, and we're focused on our theme and staples of old economy companies that are embracing digitization because we think they will have a better chance of outperforming in the future. So there's, there's plenty of places to get dividends. Um, but at, to David's point, you want the dividend to sustain and you want it to grow. So it's got to be you know paid by a smart management and board who are investing in the future. And there's a lot of names, given the lack of breadth in the market, there are a lot of really interesting names in that space that are high-quality, attractive names that you can take a look at uh, now, I think, for the next move in the market. And what happens, David, uh, from a dividend standpoint with these new tech companies, these AI companies and chip-related companies that are so hot right now? Well, interestingly, I happen to believe that two of the great ways to actually be exposed to AI where they're really making money from it and are really going to make money from it, not just market it and talk about it and put the name all over their uh, 10 Qs are Broadcom and IBM. And like Nancy just said, these are old tech companies. They've been around a long time. IBM is a much older, stodgier mainline business that if it were separated out, probably trades at about five or six times earnings. Mm. But then they have a hybrid cloud business that they bought from Red Hat and this and their AI and the experimentation they're doing with Watson is a big deal, and I think they're going to be a real winner in this space. But um, I'm working on a paper right now, Larry, that is uh, trying to draw parallels between NVIDIA now and Cisco in 1999, where you have just an absolute avalanche of sentiment and momentum and enthusiasm and euphoria and then you get a ton of other companies that are using the right buzzwords. You recall every, you know, uh, sandwich shop called itself dot com in 1999. Mm-hmm. Um, now AI is supposedly the language. And I'm really praying investors won't fall for it again. I think there's going to be a ton of companies that have no real participation in AI, no path to greater earnings from it, but are going to try to uh, make the most of that. And it's a great way to get duped. Uh, dividend growth does its best to avoid getting duped. What um, I read a lot about the ARM arm. It was an IPO yep. this past week. Everybody was flocking to it. It seemed to be driving the market up at, at least for a day. Nancy, is it, what do you make of that? Um, well, we we didn't participate. Uh, I think it's a great company. Uh, I think the capital markets are back. That's the good news. Um, but it's a slower-growing company, so to have it trading at an 81 PE uh, on estimated earnings is, mm. is a little bit rich for me. Um, but, you know, we we are focused on um, the technology names that we think will sustain through digital, sustain growth through digital transformation, cloud, and then AI. And so Broadcom is our largest holding, but we also own Oracle and Microsoft, lower yielding, but still growing the dividend. Um, these are these are companies that will continue to benefit uh, from from monetizing AI. And in fact, Microsoft has already announced uh, their co-pilot uh, chat GPT, cor- you know, corporate version. 
Um, and I think I think they're they're in the sweet spot of a lot of the spaces. So arms, you know, is oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no I was just going to ask. Um, when I was in government, I had a lot. I worked a lot with Broadcom, and I worked a lot with Microsoft, and I thought they were very smart people. Am I wrong on that? No, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's very our smart, most very smart people. Research, research metric is management. It's part of our qualitative and quantitative fundamental factors. You need a smart management team to navigate and tr- and make sure your company is transforming. And for many years, IBM wasn't. It appears they are now. So I think Dave is on to something. But you know, there's been. I bought a share for my son 35 years ago. And I can't really say it's gone up all that much. Hmm. Certainly hasn't kept up with the market, and I lost the share anyway. So I don't. I don't guess I care. But um, you mean you yeah, can't you find have, the share? Of course not. I certainly cannot. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not wallpaper or anything like that. You no, I found two share. shares of Enron in my father-in-law's <laughs> <laughs> papers okay. after okay. he died. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> Nancy Tangler, uh, the author of The Women's Guide to Successful Investing. In her spare time, she's CEO and CIO of Laffer Tangler Investments. And David Bonson is the founder and managing director of the Bonson Group, and he's the author of the TheDividendCafe.com. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back with more stocks. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. We're talking stocks, sort of, with the Women's Guide to Successful Investing by Nancy Tangler out at the end of the month. CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Lawford Tangler Investments, and David Bonson, founder and managing partner of the Bonson Group and author of DividendCafe.com. Uh, David Bonson, what did you, what, what do you make? We started talking about this on the TV show. The rally in, uh, in crude oil, let's see, Brent crude finished uh, $94 on Friday. Uh, it was up. Uh, three and a half bucks for the week. Gasoline is now creeping back towards four dollars. It pushed some of these inflation indexes higher than people thought. Is this something's going to keep going, David? In your judgment, or is this just a flash in the pan? Well, look, it's very difficult. Okay, to forecast uh, commodity prices in general, but oil more so than most, because you have both a dollar component, you know, what is happening in terms of Forex that is uh, a huge influence to oil. But you also have uh, geopolitical uncertainty. You just, there are things you can't know. What I don't think anybody could have possibly known, and I certainly didn't, and I'm quite a big critic of this administration. I could have never guessed that they would get oil between 65 and 73 for months and months and months and not buy back for the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Mm-hmm. and that they would basically provoke Saudi Arabia into cutting production more, uh, despite the fact that they were begging Saudi to increase production. Uh, Saudi saw what they were doing or not doing with the SPR, and they reacted accordingly. And, and look, OPEC was acting in their best interest. Uh, it's just that it is totally against the Biden administration's will, which has nothing to do with American interest. And so... Oil prices, I, I don't know that I can predict that they'll go over 100, but I most certainly can't predict they won't. 
With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. Hmm. You know, Nancy, the other part of this is that um, here's Biden basically taking fracking out of Alaska and taking fracking out of a lot of the Gulf of Mexico and violating, violating congressional legislative mandates for lease sales. In some respects, that's the worst part of the story. I mean, we know his, you know, he's captured by this extreme climate change crowd, but he continues to violate congressional laws. Um, he did the same right. thing with the um, Supreme Court uh, decision on student loan cancellations. I mean, I'm amazed at that. And um, it doesn't seem to have taken a big toll in the stock market yet, but it's kind of out there. Yeah, and it's it's impacting uh, companies and will impact them in the third quarter. I, I mean, a story just came across Bloomberg that California sued the oil giants, um, Exxon, uh, ExxonMobil, Shell, Conoco, Chevron, because they've damaged the um, environment. I mean, it's just stupid. And I think, um, you know, we've talked about this on your show so many times that, um, you know, we don't have the minerals and the metals to, to produce the kind of EVs that California mm-hmm. is mandating. And, and we also have to be aware that the majority of those, of those minerals and metals come from, you know, the Congo, Argentina, Chile, and, and then they get shipped to China and China refines like 70%. So, you know, it's 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 a much bigger problem than OPEC was, mm. and I I think that's one of the things that uh, Washington. You know, they live in this fantasy world where they say no more combustible engine cars, all electric by twenty whatever it is, and it's just not going to happen. Mm. And and so then you know, and it's really one of the things I think, and you've been on this that has driven this UAW strike uh, mm. because they know that they're you know Ford lost six. $65,000 on every EV it sold in the first quarter. That's not sustainable. And where is it coming from? They're laying off engineers and, you know, they're keeping wages tight and low. So I, I think this thing's about to blow up. Um, all the while, you know, oil demand is increasing in China and in India, which is 22% of consumption. And John Carney made a point earlier in the show. <laughs> if the UAW had um, gone on strike in the EV plants, they would have done the big three a favor, but they didn't. They went for the <laughs> gas cars. That's where the money is. Anyway, thanks, kids. Nancy Tangler, good luck on the book, The Women's Guide to Successful Investing. David Bonson, founder and managing partner of the Bonson Group. As always, thanks so much. Folks, quick break, and then we're going to do some money in politics with Liz Peake and Monica Crowley. I'm Kudlow. 